Thank you. Good morning, Cypress Creek Church. It is always an honor to be here. I need to start today with a prayer, and I hope you join me in these words. Father, today I pray that you hide me beneath your wing, that you allow only the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to speak through me, that only your voice, that only your words, and only your eternal truth be heard and understood and applied to each life you have prepared to touch today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in a series called Peace in Exile. When Jose asked me if I would consider speaking on December 13th, he told me the assignment. We take an Old Testament prophet that's in exile, and we find peace in exile. Okay, let me start by saying that you and I may not pray alike. Everybody prays different, so let's give each other grace, right? I often pray as if the Lord's just sitting across the table and we're having coffee. I do praise and worship as well. But sometimes I just, we just talk. And so as I went to the Lord to pray about this message, the first thing I said, and by the way, this was actually said by another speaker, so who is actually a pastor, so it gave me permission to say it too. I said to the Lord, I'm really not comfortable in the Old Testament. <laughs> I mean, I love the Old Testament but I'm not as comfortable applying the Old Testament as I am the New Testament. And so then I might have said, I might have said, Lord, it's also worth noting that I am the sixth speaker <laughs> in this series, which means all the good ones have been taken. <laughs> Thank you, Jose. <laughs> so I got really anxious and I just said, you have to bring me somebody because I don't know who is left. I don't know how it applies. Who do you want me to talk about that was a prophet in exile? Who is that? And he said, what about me? And, and honestly, I gasped. I said, wait, whoa. I mean, that almost sounds blasphemous. I mean, as a prophet, you are so much more than a prophet. And he said, yeah, but I was a prophet. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I don't fully understand the definition of prophet. So maybe that's where I should start. So I went and studied some definitions of prophet. And one of them was a person who speaks for God or is, or by divine inspiration. Appointed by God himself to be his messenger was another definition I found. And then third, I found one that says, foretell the future and the truth about God. And I thought, okay, okay, I'm getting a little more comfortable with Jesus as a prophet, that's a facet of who he was. I'm getting a little bit more comfortable. But, you know, I thought, well, I need to find somewhere in Scripture that it says he's a prophet. And sure enough, in Deuteronomy 18.18, 18, 
This is God speaking to Moses. He says, I will raise up for them a prophet, just like you, from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. Amen. Then in Acts 3.23, this is Luke, and he repeats Deuteronomy 18.18. Then he adds, anyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from his people. So I'm now okay with talking about Jesus as a prophet. He fits the definition. It's found in scripture. So we okay with Jesus as a prophet? Okay. I also like the fact that y'all remember the, the woman at the well, the story of the woman at the well. In her conversation with Jesus, at some point she said to him, I can see that you're a prophet. Remember she said that. And he didn't correct her. And I thought, there it is. He's okay with it. Otherwise, he would have said something. So then I said, okay, I'm okay with him being a prophet, but a prophet in exile, how am I going to, when was Jesus in exile? Well, that actually came easier than I expected. I found three places that I am offering to you as places that he was exiled. And it starts in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he his only son. In John 3, 31, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the one who comes from above is above all. He was exiled from heaven. That is a big exile. Then you dig a little deeper and in Luke 4, 16, he was exiled from Nazareth, his hometown. And in this scripture, it says all. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. And it said all the people became furious and they drug him out to a high hill and they were going to push him over the cliff. Their intent was to kill him. He was exiled by his own people. Now, remember, Jesus' brothers did not even believe in him as Lord and Savior until after the resurrection. So it is very possible that he had some home folk in this group. And finally, exiled to the cross. John 12, 27, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, my heart is troubled. But what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? He said, no. It is for this hour that I came. He was born to die. Exiled to the cross. For me, it sounds like the most spiritually exiled place he was. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken means turn from. So in review, I believe that our prophet was exiled from heaven to come to this earth 
that he created originally in perfection. He was exiled here, no longer in perfection. So he was away from home, and then he was exiled from his people. He was exiled from Nazareth. And then he was exiled from his father. I want to offer you something this morning. My belief is that he was exiled right here one time for all time and he was exiled so that you and I would never be exiled again. Can we say thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. In Colossians 1.19, he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him here, that through him he reconciled him to himself all things in heaven and on earth, making peace through the bloodshed on the cross. Jesus is a prophet, a priest, a king, and our prince of peace. So he was exiled for our peace. That almost sounds contradictory. He was exiled so that we might have peace. Hebrews 10.10 speaks of this, and it says, and by that, meaning God's will, and by that will, God's will, we have been sanctified, past tense, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And Hebrews 10.14, by a single offering. He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He did this one time for all time for our peace. And in this scripture, what they're talking about, what they're comparing is, in contrast, Jesus did this one time for all time. Prior to Jesus on the cross, the priests were going to the temple sacrificing animals. Remember that? We were sacrificing, sacrificing, shedding blood because there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. They had to shed the blood of animals to cover sin. But they had to do it again and again. Jesus came and shed his blood one time for all time, not to cover sin, but to take sin away. He took away the sin of the world. I actually heard Tony Evans recently say, this cross is the best uh, deal in town. He said, God gave us all his goodness and he took all your badness. He takes all of our badness and gives us all his goodness. Right there. So his death was for our redemption and his resurrection for our salvation. Okay, so we got this part. What does the Bible say is our part? What is our part in this peace process? 
Well, I don't have all the scriptures up here because there's so many. There's 16 in the book of John, so we're going to look at a couple of them. John says in 1.12, but to all who believe, but to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 3.16, so God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever in him should not perish. Isn't that peace that we not perish? Truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Isn't that peace? Eternal life? This is the work of God that you believe in him who sent him. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him has eternal life. And this is one of my favorites. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And here's his invitation. Do you believe? And all these things were written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. I go back to this picture that we saw earlier. During this time of study, for whatever reason, the thief on the cross story, the thieves on the cross story kept coming back to me. And I thought, I wonder what's going on here that relates to this exile in peace. This story is in Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. Luke expands on a little bit, so we're going to be looking at Luke's version of it. And I'm going to paraphrase this. There were two thieves, one on either side of Jesus. One of them mocked him, said, if you are the Christ, get down, save yourself, And then, oh, by the way, save us too. The other one at some point looked at him and said, do you not fear God? I mean, I I saw him saying, have you lost your mind? And he said, we are here as our due for what we've done. He said, we deserve to be here. This guy is innocent. And then that thief looked over and said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your glory. And do you remember what he said? Surely, I tell you today, I will see you in paradise. Yes. And so I was thinking about that. Let's think about that for a second. What did that thief actually do? Well, he didn't say the sinner's prayer. He didn't get baptized. He didn't return the stereo. (laughs) But something happened. 
He believed. He did the one thing that we do in this peace process. Jesus did his thing. And we were asked to do that one thing. And I have to tell you from my perspective, and I am guilty of this, there is so often that I want to add things to this thing. We want to add on something because this is such a huge gift. We need to give more than just believe. And so for us to add on takes away from the one thing. And when we speak like that to people who don't know Jesus and make it more difficult than what it is, we take away from the simple truth of belief. And it is through belief that we find peace. I think of rest when I find peace. I think that peace has a component of rest. And when we rest on what he's done and do the one thing that we can do, we too will have peace in exile. We too can have peace in exile. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, through belief. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. So my proposition is that Jesus was a prophet, one facet of his life was a prophet. He was exiled from heaven, from Nazareth, and to the cross. And he went to the cross to do the one thing that we couldn't, and that was restore us to God. He did that one thing. And our one thing in the peace process is to believe and receive peace. The path to peace is to believe. Amen? Amen. Amen.